Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. This is Corey, and this is the Yothi at the Podcast. I keep trying to come out, and they keep pushing me back in. Welcome to episode 350 of the Yothi Anthem Podcast, coming to you once again from all over Los Angeles. But Corey is there at the Yothi Anthem Studios, high above the 110 Freeway in downtown Los Angeles, California. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for listening on your podcatcher of choice the easiest way, anchor.fm forward slash oh the anthem as we stare into the void. And once again, I... <laughs> No, uh, nothing our, can go right. All our best efforts tonight. So nothing can go right. If you're listening to uh, this podcast, uh, you didn't hear it live because we weren't able to do it live because there was lots of gremlins going on tonight. But well, listen, we could have done it live. They would just heard you four times every time we <laughs> spoke. So it sounds like I'm speaking through the end of a large pipe, or 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 a wrapping paper tube, as is appropriate <laughs> this time of year because this Thursday, uh, this Friday, this Friday. It yeah. is Christmas. Um, uh, I keep getting confused because I'm like, do I have the day off after Christmas or the day before Christmas? So Christmas Eve makes more sense. And uh, it's uh, weird that my company is actually closing for a day that's not the holiday. Um, but yeah, so Christmas is this Friday. Um, and I thought it would be apropos of us to talk about it because this is the first holiday season that we will have live, at least live recorded shows all the way through uh, the entirety of the holiday season. Generally, one of us, uh, either Corey or I, is gone. Um, I had a few years there where I was, you know, globe trotting uh, mm-hmm. during December and January, but um, COVID has put an end to all that. So we're, we'll all be home. Uh, theoretically, if uh, Curative ever gets my results back, we'll all be together. Uh, we just won't be uh, for this particular episode. So uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. Um, and uh you know happy new year as well i guess we'll have another episode before the new year so no i take that back just just merry christmas uh happy hanukkah if you're listening to this on tuesday it is the last night of hanukkah i believe and uh happy kwanzaa which starts on saturday there you go i don't remember any of that so i I barely remember when christmas is (laughs) it just feels like it wasn't the same day a year well I, i was talking to my father earlier and we both agreed that this does not feel like christmas at all simply because So much of what I I associate with Christmas is family and being together and stuff like that. And obviously we can't do that now uh, at this time. But I don't know. The whole thing just feels a little bit off. Like being in Southern California, too. So not having like the Uh, winter. (laughs) (laughs) It would feel a lot more like Christmas if there was snow around. But it's uh, it's okay. We're 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 wait, wait, wait. Corey, we're from Maryland, not snow. If there was just a dreary, wet, cold rain for the next five, six <laughs> days, that would gray. make it feel like Christmas. Yeah, just endless <laughs> gray of Maryland. Uh, but I, it's uh, it's weird because, um, you know, after the first year we got here, we both traveled home for Christmas every single year. So it's almost like we, I mean, in the first year, I think you and Rachel went back. So it, for me, it's just like, all right, um, Christmas is still Maryland. It's still being at that place and having that weather. I remember uh, we were out in Canton uh, maybe two years ago. It was like five degrees. Yeah. And we're standing on the water. And I, uh, I think that was the first Christmas back because I seem to yes. remember us getting acclimated to the heat. And then we went back and it was like negative 15 with the wind chill coming off the off the lake or off the Patapsco. Uh, yeah. I was going to say the Inner Harbor area. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, uh, it got down to 63 59 something like that the other night and i had my heater cranked all the way up uh i have a full down blanket and i was still cold because i've acclimated um and i can only think of johnny drama from uh entourage when he stands up in the back of the convertible and says i can't move back to jersey man new york <laughs> new york I can't, go, I can't move back to new york 
uh, I like the weather here too much. Yeah, that's uh, basically where we're at now. So, uh, yeah. but a Merry Christmas to everybody who is wherever they are. Uh, and I hope, uh, and I do mean this with all sincerity, that you miss out on seeing your entire family this year and that you stay at home. Uh, I think the other part of Christmas is, all right, we get to leave home. I, I get to take a couple of days off and relax at home and then go somewhere for a while and then get back to the old grind. And now it's like, home is the last place I want to be. I'm working here most days. Uh, the few days I do go into the office, uh, not, not uh, an exception to that, but, and like, we can't travel. So it's like, I don't even get to relax at home because even when I'm at home on Saturday, I, I went to bed at like three in the morning and I woke up at 9 a.m. panicked because I'm like, did I have a call this morning? Because <laughs> I move seven feet to go take my first call of the day. Yeah. Uh, I do have to have a shirt on and not look like I just woke up. So like I'm, my panic is just like, uh. but usually uh, like on a Saturday, I wouldn't think that because my alarm would have to go off 90 minutes ahead of time and then. 86 minutes ahead of time and then 81 minutes ahead of time and do that for 45 minutes and then get up and get ready for work. I will never understand people who can't set alarms on five, 10, 15 minute increments. That's the only way I roll. I, I can't do like a 91 minute heads up alarm. <laughs> so, so here's the deal with that. And just a little bit of insight. Uh, I, my snooze is set for six minutes and I have all my alarms set so that if I get to one hour, meaning the alarms have been going off for one hour. I will have one going off every single minute because the mm. snoozes will just roll over so that eventually it's just like, you cannot get back to sleep. It's 20 seconds of like, where am I? And then 25 seconds of finding the phone and hitting snooze. And then by the time I've resettled back into the warm blankets from that 60 degree weather outside, uh, another alarm's going off. So I've, that's my method for the madness. It's every uh, snooze every six minutes, and I set my alarm for every seven, I think, and that's where at one hour it just rolls a new alarm every minute. So. Yeah, there's a logic. There's there's a method behind the madness, Corey. All right. Well, as long as there's a method, I, it's the same. I used to have problems with my dad. He used to set the clocks everywhere like a minute, eleven minutes early. Yeah, I do so that. that he wouldn't be late. <laughs> I mean, I'll look at clocks and I'll just be like, holy shit, it's seven o'clock. He's like, oh, it's actually 649. Like, why do you do and, this? Uh, <laughs> well, because you look at it and you say, you know, it's 11 minutes fast. So you're always going to still be late. But I, in the panic of like, oh, my God, what time is it? I have to go. I forget that I said it fast. And then I'm still on time. See, I never forget. But that's, I'm still late. That's my problem. I, I'd always be like, oh, I got an extra 11 minutes. It's fine. Yeah, uh, I'm still late because uh, I would just look at the clock and I'm just like, nah, fuck it, because COVID. Uh, what am I going to say? What are they going to say to me? What are you going to do to me? Um, but, <laughs> Sorry, I got to make it in on time. There was a lot of traffic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I just have it worked in my head. I have a couple of things like, oh, a guy coughed near me, so I went home and took another shower. Uh, I feel like that's a good cover, right? <laughs> uh, or you can always pull the, uh, the excuse I think Batman's already coming up with. I got halfway here and realized forgot my mask. So I had to go back and get it. Um, but uh, I did want to take one aside to say, we're not taking any vacation. Well, well we're not going home for Christmas. Uh, we may have a little vacation time in January. Hopefully uh, we'll take a little trip, uh, but we'll have a, um, a weekly recorded podcast, obviously for that. And we think we'll be back on Monday, so we should be on time. Yeah. And um, for those of you who may be thinking this, no, uh, we are not all going to sit in a room full of pods and travel virtually to, I don't know, Cozumel <laughs> or Hawaii. Cause apparently that is a thing where you can pay good hard-earned american dollars to 
watch a VR video that was filmed in a beautiful place because you can't travel in right now, which escapes me. It's I, also I it's also prohibitively expensive. That was my problem. <laughs> whole idea and not prohibitively either. expensive as as in like more expensive than going to the place but more than it should be for a very long vr video oh for sure that's a, that's absolutely for sure yeah uh but uh here's to ne- this time next year when i can once again plan a 19 day vacation over the holidays four of which will be spent with my family at which i'll w- reach my wits end and then head off to somewhere tropical <laughs> so hopefully my family doesn't listen to the podcast anyway um <laughs> But of course, we are all stuck at home. Uh, and uh, Corey uh, is—I un- mean, we were talking in the pre-show meeting. We are going to be coming up on a year now before, uh, or, or since the serious like day-to-day work was really, uh, or day-to-day job availability was available for you. Like the industry uh, was slow anyway through the winter, and right when it started to kick back in is when COVID hit in March. So uh, I think you're going to be happy about the stimulus news that has come up after we. <laughs> Clearly, the Senate listens to the podcast. We called them out. If they, they did, did they wouldn't work. do what they do. That's, that's for sure. So, yeah, I mean, here's generally my thought. Like, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be cool here. I'm trying to be, be nice about it. Uh, I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. I mean, like, basically, my my thing is that I I feel like I've just sort of been in jail for the last year here. Because yeah. I'm, not, it's not even that I'm not able to work, and I I acknowledge the fact that I have uh, blessings in my life that a lot of other people don't, and that there are a lot of people who are in like really bad financial sh- shape right now. They own businesses. They have no idea how they're going to survive. You know, like I'm not I'm not at the dire part of a lot of people's uh, lives right now, and I can I can acknowledge that. But at the same time. You know, th- this hasn't been easy for, for anybody, and especially people who are freelance, who don't work, who are in, like, industries that are uh, ravaged by the lack of, of of any kind of work because yep. of what's going on with coronavirus. I mean, it, it's at just... Least, at th- count your blessings that you're not a politician, Corey, and you <laughs> don't have to go do some French guy's laundry, all right? When I heard Gavin Newsom was off doing some French guy's laundry, I just said... And he paid three hundred fifty dollars to do it. Can you believe? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're gonna get to that in a second. But uh, this, as far as the stimulus goes, uh, we did call out uh, last week not getting uh, anything done. Basically, the entire time they've been in session, except for paying themselves and paying the military. Which obviously, uh, you know, the only thing worse than being stuck at home in Los Angeles. Uh, which isn't really that terrible uh, to begin with. Uh, so long as you're getting by, you could it could be worse. We could live in, you know, Plainview, Texas. Yeah. Uh, or somewhere in the middle of nowhere and be like, hey, um, so we can go everywhere because there's 12 people in the town and we're basically just one big family. <laughs> so, uh, but um, the only place that, that, uh, that got less done uh, was the, was Congress, but they, they came together this week and they said, holy shit, we're all going to be to blame for this if we don't get something done. And much like the military spending, they found a way to do a stimulus. Well, I I think that really the, this... Let, let's get the basics out of the way first. Uh, sure. Most people know this $600 one-time payment as opposed to the $1,200 that we got the first time that there was a government uh, mm-hmm. stimulus there. 
And keep uh, in mind, that'll be an extra four weeks late because Trump is going to want to make sure to personally sign this time every single check. According to Mnuchin, it's going to be available next week. It's going to be deposited in everyone's account next week. So we'll see. I'm still if waiting. You make less than $75,000. I'm still waiting for my tax or my refund from the government for the overpayment of taxes I made. But, you know, that's fine. That's <laughs> what is that? Just $900 just sitting out there in the void tax free. <laughs> interest free to the government i was gonna say uh, by the way you don't get interest when they take that long to get your money back very weird no i don't hmm. uh so i like how they said oh we'll send it to you too and i was just like yeah i'm sure you will yeah <laughs> so six hundred dollars uh an extra three hundred dollars and people who are getting unemployment uh and this basically Which was taken away like what four or five months ago now september end of july there was a couple <laughs> places Jesus. that had uh, an extra amount that was given through federal disaster relief through Trump, mm-hmm. uh, but not California. No, California was one of them, but oh, that what? was oh, hey. it was a very limited thing. So it was like six weeks of like an extra two hundred bucks or something like that. So it was something, but it certainly wasn't anything that like helped out a ton of people. And yeah. you know, three hundred dollars a week extra on whatever you're getting in unemployment can be great if what you were making in unemployment is relative to what the job was you just lost. Yeah. But, you know, if you're a freelancer like me, I'm making a hundred something bucks in unemployment every week. And that's just because I don't have W-2s that the government can go look at to see how much money I make. Yeah. Uh, and, and a bunch I mean, of rich guys said, how much does it take to survive? Like 200 a week or so? Yeah, that sounds fine. Just give them that. That's fine. <laughs> they'll, they'll figure out a way. How much is milk? It's like 89 cents a gallon, right? Something like that. Bread? It's a, it's like it's a nickel at the corner store, if I remember correctly. Last time I had to go buy milk. I got comments about Joe. I got comments about (laughs) Joe Biden and uh, all of those old guys. But we'll get to that. Yeah, Yeah. go ahead. I. What really bothers me about this whole thing is that neither one of the two sides seem to understand the plight of what people were going through at all. So there was the Republican side where. Uh, they had opportunities to to vote on the Heroes Act, which they didn't do. They just sat on that one. Uh, mm-hmm. There's been constant stimulus talks going on for months since it uh, expired in July, I think it was. And nothing was breaking through. It was just a, a dogfight on both sides. It seems like now the Republicans are more inclined to do something because it might jeopardize the Senate runoffs in Georgia. And, you know, apparently throwing people a little bit of money right before the vote might help them feel more palatable about voting for the two Republicans who literally own the stock market. Uh, And then there's the Democrats and Nancy Pelosi specifically, who seems to be the chief negotiator for the Democrats. I don't know why we decided that she has to be the one. But, uh, you know, there was a one point eight billion dollar deal that Mnuchin had had proposed a couple months ago that Pelosi turned down. Trump said he would veto it either way, so it didn't matter. Yeah, but I mean, like, even so, that that could have been a framework for something that got worked out, and it just sort of got pushed aside. Uh, the Democrats were fighting for specific things, like uh, liability, making sure there wasn't any liability protection against mm-hmm. employee or companies who make their employees or their customers more likely to get sick because of their actions, uh, which I think is an important thing, because obviously there's a difference between I was the only person who got sick at my job. You know, mm-hmm. they did everything they could to protect everyone, but somebody, you know, some people will get sick. I got a habit to... of licking pork 
benches sometimes on my own time. Right. And, you know, as opposed to like what, you know, a lot of people have been saying Amazon has been doing, which is literally shoving people like sardines into the cans that are the the warehouses that they work and stuff like that. So there's different variations of how important uh, liability protection was, especially if you were a worker who was not being treated correctly. Uh, and for businesses, too, I, I, I went uh, I, I had to I've been doing most of my holiday shopping online. There mm-hmm. was a couple select items that I needed to actually like go to a store to get. So I had made a plan yesterday to go. Right. Uh, I went to Burbank and there's a Target there and there's a yeah. whole bunch of stores there. I figured I'd just stop there. I'd go to the four stores I needed. I'd get out and I'd be done. Nope. Uh, every single one of these stores has a line around the, the building because they're doing 20 percent capacity, which is yep. fine. Totally cool with that. I didn't necessarily want to wait in a like four hour line to get into Best Buy. <laughs> so I figured I'd do that elsewhere. There was no line at Target. And I said, okay, I need to go into Target, so I'll just go there first because there's no line. I go in there. They are 100% absolutely not enforcing any kind of uh, capacity limits in that store. Uh, I don't know if it's the general manager. I don't know if it's, like, you know, the employees just saying, like, I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to do anything about it. But there, I was, have, I there have... was a normal amount of people Christmas shopping in a Target that I walked into. And, like, I kind of walked in and just – you probably saw my eyes, like, widen. as like, it was like, oh, my God, all these people – yeah, uh, uh, I have a sense, uh, having been to two different targets in the last couple of weeks, that they are letting the store manager, the local store manager, decide how long a line will people stand for. And like the one in uh, at Sunset and uh, Western had a little bit of a line, but it's also kind of like Hollywood hippies uh, and like East Hollywood, like, oh, no, we're down with it. We get it. We're, this is it's very important. The work that we're doing standing outside of a target. Uh, because we're keeping people safe and that, that's fine uh i have a sense that burbank is not that crowd burbank no. is very much the uh what you might think of as an la person not the hippy dippy la person but the like where's my coffee get my latte where are we going to lunch soho house for dinner the conservative kind of. on the inside democrat on the outside yeah yeah a dino <laughs> well yes uh and so the manager there may have just said uh, if somebody comes up and there is one person waiting to go in, they turn around and go back to their car. So we can't do it. Yeah. Uh, we're just going to have to let people in and, uh, we'll run the risk. We'll see what happens. I mean, Mnuchin's the friends with, uh, the target, uh, CEO anyway. So I'm sure they'll take care of us with liability protection. Luckily they didn't at least. And the problem is though, it could happen anytime. Yeah. Five years from now, they could get liability protection from forever from the entire thing. And then everyone finds out, well, it turns out that at five years and four days after getting infected, uh, you have really serious health consequences. And Target that's when your like, heart starts beating out of control and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And Target's just like, oh, we got this liability protection they passed yesterday uh, and it covers us for the entirety of the uh, the crisis. So that's good. I, I just, I feel like the Democrats were, were trying to die on certain hills. Like, they wanted to bail out the states and they wanted to get rid of the liability shield and they were fighting at the expense of the American citizens the whole time mm-hmm. so that five months later, four months later, we can then get uh, 300 bucks every week on unemployment or $600 one-time payment. It, it just feels like they were, you know, like there, there were different ways to approach this. I, I, I see a lot of negotiations that happen out in the public, especially amongst like, you know, like you'll see it with unions and, and industry and stuff like that, where you'll see them uh, negotiating for a week and then they'll take a break and then they'll come back to negotiate for another week. 
And then the talks break down and they separate for three weeks and then they get back together and stuff like that. I, I, some of those negotiations, I, I just have no comprehension of because I'm so much of a, Hey, let's just work through the issues one at a time until we get to it. And they, they are trying to, manage too many there's too many mistresses to manage here to be able to yeah. properly focus on the one things that are you know because if you could hammer out the most important parts of the deal first and then just let everything else flow off of that negotiation you know come to your come to the table with the five most important things you have and the th- five things you can't stand for we'll discuss these 10 items in aggregate on both sides mm-hmm. we'll come to a generalized understanding a compromise of some sort of way and then we'll work on everything else that comes along with it. I mean, See, this this reference is going to be lost in you, Corey, but that's assuming that Emperor Palpatine is not one of the parties who's doing the negotiating. <laughs> Do you know who Emperor Palpatine is? From the Star Wars? Yeah, he's the, the evil guy in Star Wars. And I'm making a reference, of course, there to uh, the great senator from Kentucky. Yes. I, uh, who who would burn down his own house to prove a point, I feel like. I feel like he'd be like, see, everybody's house burns. Yes, my children are inside as well. Uh, yeah, this happens. But just to, just to prove the point. Yeah, I I, I just feel like the the amount of... The way the, the, the politicians have clearly lost touch with the people who are really struggling. And that's the, that, you know, all, all of these senators and... Uh, congressmen from the the very beginning of the pandemic have collected all their paychecks. Oh yeah, They're, they've made you know one hundred forty thousand dollars on average since the beginning of the pandemic. Billionaires across this country are making record money like they've never seen before. Uh, people who are in online business, people who have like prior to the pandemic pivoted to an online based business are seeing things explode, and people who were in you know, restaurants have, have traditionally been seen as sort of recession-proof businesses yeah. because people need to eat. You might not go out and eat as much if you don't have as much money. Like, you might not do the fancy dinner, but McDonald's doesn't necessarily lose a lot of money when the economy goes down, you know? They, I'm they, ordering a McRib tonight for dinner. <laughs> they, they seem the McRib's to, back, baby. They do well all throughout. They don't need to worry about it. Um, I, I just... None of them realize what it's like to be in a situation of true dread. And that's really what it is for so many people. There are people who are down to their last couple dollars trying to figure out how they're going to make it work. And they just can't. They they, uh, they they go to sleep worrying about what tomorrow brings. There's people who own businesses who think about their employees and stuff like that. I mean, like we, you know, Rob will talk a lot about evil capitalism and stuff like that. But somewhere there's a guy who owns an honest sandwich shop. Who has five employees, and he's really worried about his five employees. You know, yeah, he's really you know, worried about his. Department kept shutting that place down. We went to it every <laughs> Friday, and they kept shutting it down. It's a big bad government getting involved. Just let but... me have my sandwich that I know is rated D by the health department. Okay, I see the D. He tried to hide it in hot dog, but it, I see it. It's fine. <laughs> I miss that place, that greasy spoon place. I, 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 I just really get, wish. What do we get though? You, I mean, you, so we kind of skipped over, but there, there is payroll protection also in this bill. Yeah, there is rent eviction, uh, rent protections with no evictions. It's extended for another six months. So there, there is are fifteen bo- fifteen billion in save our stages, which is important to uh, entertainment industry people. I, I, it's, that's it's, that's good. It's nine hundred billion total. 
it's the largest government stimulus ever. Second largest. And it's a no, it's the largest. Nine hundred billion is the, the largest direct stimulus. Direct stimulus. Sorry, direct stimulus. Oh, okay. Uh, there are some that have gone higher than that, but not, um, not, well, I guess this is not even directly to the people. It's not all directly to the people no. either, but you know what I mean? I, I, uh, ideally save our stages doesn't go to make Ticketmaster more rich. It goes to keep a small venue. I mean, technically uh, the, the $2 trillion spent earlier was the, the largest. This is, this uh, would be the second largest in combination. These two would be we, is the largest. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. So, so anything outside of COVID. Is, yeah. it is the uh, it's remains part of the largest. So, uh, I mean, in the end, uh, they got a lot uh, and it's about a quarter of what was probably necessary. Um, I mean, Joe, Joe Biden at one point had said that uh, in, in re- reference to the bipartisan Senate negotiations that had been going on um, almost immediately after the election took place, saying that uh, this isn't perfect, but this is the down payment on what will eventually become the the total recovery bill yes and you sort of have to wait for me to get in office before i can really do anything uh and it's fine to see it that way but i mean like there's a version i think of this down payment that could have been made months ago and helped keep a lot of people out of dire straits and realize that giving more money back to the people who paid the money in the first place is not out of the realm of possibility. And there's a lot of pork in this thing. And I know a lot of people are getting caught up in pork. Yeah. like, you know, how much the Smithsonian gets and stuff like that. Like I get it there. Th- this is how these things sort of work, but you know, there, there is certainly room outside of the pork that is going on in this bill to give more to the American people who are really struggling at this moment. And, and uh, if we're going to talk about uh, the excesses of Congress, uh, I think that the, most important thing isn't the pork that's in a bill because it, that will always go to listen. Uh, you fight to get the new aircraft manufacturer in your district. In the end that employs people in your district, but mm. that's pork because it didn't go to the lowest bidder. It went to your district and your, your place. You build a bridge to nowhere in Alaska. It's employing Alaskans to build a bridge that is $40 billion. It doesn't go anywhere that anybody wants to go. But when you use your your wealth and your privilege to jump the line for a vaccine that's newly available for a virus that you have been saying doesn't exist or isn't the big problem that people say it is for the last, I don't know, nine months, that I think is the real pork that we need to worry about. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's sickening that Marco Rubio is getting a shot before like any number of people. There are healthcare workers. Yeah, there's healthcare workers out there who are waiting on their shots, but Marco Rubio moves right to the straight front of the line. And we were talking about this pre-show as well. There's no way. There's no way you can convince me that Bezos doesn't have this shot already, that Kim Kardashian, that anyone who has any sort of money or any kind of availability or influence hasn't found a way to get an early version of this shot as soon as humanly possible. Uh, Oh, and not even that. You know, it it wouldn't benefit... You know, say it was Bezos. It wouldn't benefit for him to put on Instagram like, hey, here's me getting the vaccine because people right. would be like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> all the people who are getting sick and dying in your in your uh, distribution centers and you're getting the goddamn shot like the, it would not play well. So he's got to just get it and act like no, he didn't get it and, and play it off and everything like that. But there's no way the rich, the rich always find a way to move right to the front of the line. And the fact yep. that Congress is putting themselves in the same level as the healthcare workers who are literally keeping us alive throughout this whole thing. And 
Also, uh, you know, again, I, I, I complain about not working. And it, it's because I, I want to be working. I want to be doing things. I, I don't want to be stuck in the house. I get it. You're a good Republican drone. Yes, we know. Go but, ahead. But the the number of people who are, like, uh, I just can't even properly understand how you could get that shot and not think about the people who have been working the busiest days of their lives every single day for the last nine months. Like, yep. I think about, like, Every once in a while, I get flashbacks to when I was working at Nelson's, and it was the lunch rush on a Saturday or a Friday, and it was four straight hours or three straight hours of just constant, like all just all hands on deck, like you're moving as fast as you possibly can. When that four hours is done, you sit down for a second, you take a deep breath, and you're just like, I got through it. I can't believe I yep. did it, but I got through it. Healthcare workers have been living lunch rush every single hour of every single day for the last nine months straight. And yep. there's always a nurse on staff. It's not like they get the middle of the night off. There's people who are there 24 hours a day working to keep us alive. And, I, you know, personally speaking, I just think that fuck the members of Congress. It should be all the yep. health workers who have been doing everything they can to keep us alive through this whole thing. We might be a little better off if some of them, you know, get COVID and die off because they're old and they've passed their prime. And, uh, that's me saying that. That's not Corey saying that. Yeah, I, I, legal liability applies. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not insinuating that Corey believes that at all. But just the, the audacity. I I read a study this week that said that uh, it looks like this generation of nurses. Which you say this generation, but what that means is everyone serving as a nurse right now. Yeah, essentially is having the same pre PTSD issues as battlefield medics and not just nurses, not just nurses, oh, doctors, doctors and, and, and people who work at the hospital. Like we, we think a lot about healthcare, you know, the heroes of the healthcare movement and stuff like that. We think nurses, we think doctors, we think administrators and stuff like that. There are people who are janitors at the hospital mm -hmm. who are exposed to the virus more than almost anybody else because they have to go in and clean up after every single person leaves the hospital and they're just as front line as important as anyone else in that building. Like, it, without yeah. a proper sanitation staff, this whole thing just fucking erupts into even a wor a bigger deal. So, yeah. you know. And I said nurses. I meant hospital staff. But a hospital staff is essentially undergoing the same stressors as a, as a MASH unit, as, you know, to go from the show that people might recognize. But, like, a battlefield medical unit where mortars are going off 15 feet from your tent – and you have to worry about keeping this person alive. They've been doing this for nine months under the, with the same mental conditions. And basically uh, what the study came to the result is that if we can't get it under control in the next three to five months, that we may lose everyone who's in the industry now that like once the emergency is over and that, that personal pressure they put on themselves to like, I need to perform. I need to keep doing this. We got to keep going. We're doing good for people. Once that's gone, like half of the people may just be like, I'm going back to school. Or yeah. I'm gonna go start my uh, start a business because I can't do this anymore. I can't have this happen again, and it inevitably will happen again. So, well, while while we're in the middle of our COVID talk here, there there is a lot of things we need to sort of get into with what's happening right now with this whole situation. So, uh, uh, everything's under control. Uh, everyone's listening to the doctors. They're staying inside. They're not traveling. So as Numbers we stand right now. Uh, one in 64 Angelinos are infected with coronavirus, whether or not they know it or not. 
Uh, well, hey, wait, we've a had couple years ago that was one in one fifty. So it feels that it sounds like it's better, right? One no, that's is that... a smaller number is worse because that means the oh, less wow. people you come in contact with, the more highly likely the uh, chance you get the viruses. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we we've uh, as the as the new epicenter of the virus, we've had a hundred thousand cases in the last seven days. Uh, that was as of yesterday. We added another eleven thousand cases today. So that's not any better. That's not like that dropped all of a sudden. It's not like a miracle. Wait, or are people getting their results back? Because I haven't gotten mine back. Should I be worried about that? I think a lot of people are, are getting tested right now because they want to go home for Christmas and they think that's the way to do it. And that's that's <laughs> unfortunate because you decided the worst possible time to get tested because a lot of people got flights at LAX this weekend. So, yep. Um, I'd like to to check back as I do every so often uh, on South Korea. Because they are one of the nations who has uh, been able to get on top of outbreaks more than almost any other country. I mean, we have we have. There's a lot of successes. Japan has been doing well. New Zealand has been doing well. Uh, there's a lot of other countries that have done uh, a lot of heroic work without the resources too. There's a lot of countries in Africa which have really gotten on top of this despite not having the kind of infrastructure necessary to to get on top of it, handle it's it almost, a lot almost better like than America. Almost like socialized medicine has worked out really well in places well, where they had socialized medicine. I mean, if you're talking about South Korea and, and specifically, a big part of their success was the fact that they were so on top of the uh, uh, contact tracing that they were mm-hmm. they were way ahead of any kind of outbreak because they were just telling people, go home. <laughs> you were exposed. <laughs> you you went to that big church with thousands of people and there were people sick there. So you have to stay home. And if you don't, then will arrest you but you know they have more more control over that sort of thing yeah, you know right now really Gar- garcetti says don't go out after 10 p.m and people are just like fuck you <laughs> like yeah. no- there are people who stay home all day just to go out at 10 01 like, no, <laughs> garcetti no nah, i'm not staying home <laughs> where are you going now around the block fuck them I, i'm not even going anywhere. nightclubs open <laughs> well that's true too uh you can go do a french guy's laundry apparently so <laughs> Did you see the did you see the thing I sent about the the nightclub the illegal nightclub operating in DTLA? Yep. yep I watched yep. a video of people being escorted out by the police and there were hundreds of people, hundreds of mass people just leaving this nightclub. I'm wearing them on. Um but yeah, I mean like basically so much of the problem here in California, I think, in Los Angeles specifically, is that you know, there's been so much hypocrisy from everybody, especially Gavin Newsom and his French laundry, uh, that people are really just like, fuck it. Uh, you know, if, if the rules don't apply to you, then they don't apply to me. And yeah. I don't I don't understand why I'm I'm living this, you know, like monk like life to appease Gavin Newsom, who goes out and has maskless dinners with lobbyists at expensive restaurants that nobody could you afford a three hundred fifty dollar plate meal right now? I mean, I could, but you guys are poor. I'm rich. So. No, but I'm saying, like, you know, tonight we're going out to dinner. It's going to cost 350 bucks. Are you excited about that? Is that going to roll off you? Is I'm never excited about spending money. That's why I have $350 <laughs> to spend on a dinner. Still, uh, I think I think many people, many people are, are uh, not thinking so much about spending half of their stimulus payout on one dinner oh, at a... I mean, how many people 350 was their food budget for the last month? Yeah. And it was spent on a single dinner. Yeah. So by a single person. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, Garcetti too. He's just been like, he, 
I feel bad because he's trying at, at the very least he's trying to be straight with people. He's saying, mm-hmm. "Don't go anywhere. Stay in. Don't like we this is the worst time." Like he's telling you the facts, which is which is fine. Uh it's what I want to hear. At the same time, he does it in such a way that's like you ever have a, a see a parents of like an asshole kid and then you're just like discipline him. Like he just I mean, I've made he your knocked, for you. <laughs> he knocked over the mannequin in the middle of the story. You got to discipline him. It's just like, well, discipline doesn't work with young Corey. Like, he doesn't take it well. Like, no, yeah. <laughs> fuck this. Like, you know, and the fact that, that the police have just decided that they're not going to enforce anything. Yeah. Because, number one, I mean, as a police officer, I can understand how they're just like, they want us to, like, pull over everybody at 10 o'clock and start asking them why they're going. Play. Like, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Like, Do you see the traffic out here? <laughs> not, how many stops am I going to do? I'm not going to fucking stop everybody. But at the same time, like, there's also, like, a, uh, you remember when Baltimore cops, like, took a knee after Freddie Gray? Yeah. It's just like, yeah. we'll see how much they miss police when we don't do anything. Like, this seems a lot like the same sort of situation where police are just like, no, we're not doing fucking, <laughs> we're not doing any of this stuff. You're yeah, trying to cut our deal. budget, try to cut our people. No, we're not going to do extra work. <laughs> here's the deal, LAPD. Uh, you see a guy walking down the street with an open container? I'm fine with you ignoring that because it's the end of the world. Who the fuck cares? But uh, you see a house that has, I don't know, a thousand cars parked in it in a neighborhood with, you know, 10 houses. Maybe go and investigate. Maybe yeah. make some arrests. Uh a public health versus like victimless crime. Because uh, by the way, you will 100% get a ticket for walking with an open container right now. If I oh, was yeah. to walk oh. down Hollywood Boulevard with a beer, I would 100%. If I didn't get arrested, I would get a ticket. But uh, what? I'm half a mile away. They had a party, uh, a party house that everybody knew was a party house, and they just refused to bust it until the city turned the water off. Yeah. I I don't even know what to do. Like. Uh, People in L.A. right now have just lost the desire to care about it. I think that's basically it. I think people who have managed to uh, get through and survive this uh, this far and it hasn't impacted their life in any kind of serious way are like, why am I living? You know, why am I going home and living like a monk? Like what 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 benefit does it serve me? People who are committed, people who don't have anything better to do but sit home like we're going to do it. You know, but I, I, I see it a lot elsewhere, too. I feel like people who are working, people who haven't had their life interfered with at all uh, by COVID, other than, you know, you have to wear a mask or you have to take certain precautions when you're at work or blah, blah, blah. Uh, a lot of these people just seem to think that, you know, it doesn't even matter. Like, I have to go to work. Why can't, why can't I go to a restaurant? Like, yeah, what's the difference? Well, and keep in mind, Corey, uh, the president promised us a vaccine by the end of the year. Now we have two vaccines. Moderna was was uh, approved by the FDA. We'll start getting um, shots administered this week. The vice president got his, or uh, former vice president, president-elect, got his shot uh, and showed us that he, in fact, is an old man and that for some reason a suit makes an old man look like a semi-professional. Uh, Suits have transformative properties because uh, yeah. take a look at Marco Rubio getting his <laughs> shot too. It looks like he should get a lollipop at the end of that one. He's like a very good little boy in his his vaccine picture. See, I, I went with the uh, Uncle Rico. He looks like a 40-year-old <laughs> man who thinks that he's 12. Now, arguably, Marco Rubio is in pretty good shape, but I don't think he'd throw a football over the mountains there. So. I used to be able to throw football over that damn mountain. <laughs> but, you know, so we, get, we got a new vaccine, and just in time. Uh, oh, by the way, there's two more coming. Johnson & Johnson is, is going to be pushed for uh, FDA approval probably the start of the year. And then there's one more. Uh, the AstraZeneca? 
AstraZeneca, which will yeah. likely be at the beginning of the year too. Um, so we might have four, uh, which means that you and I won't have to wait to quarter four of 2021 to get one. We'll be able to get one in quarter two, a whole six months early. So yay. Um, that is if uh, the new variant that we talked about last week, uh, the new variant of COVID isn't or is covered by the vaccine. Uh, I saw two news stories this week, neither of which gave me much uh, confidence in the fact that that might be true. Um, one of which I was describing to Corey. Uh, basically, the scientist looks at the interviewer like through the camera, just looking into the camera and like takes a long pregnant pause at the beginning and then says, why would you even ask me that? No, of course. Of course it's going to cover this. It's like, I don't have a lot of confidence in that response where you're like surprised that someone would ask if it would cover it. Well, and then we've also talked about this. Like, I, listen, I'm not anti-vaccine. As soon as I get the option to take this thing, I'm taking it. I, I want to move on with my life. Like there doesn't seem to be like serious scientists worked on this and I, I have to trust them. I have like there just has to be some trust that goes involved in somebody who's made a life out of making vaccines to do it safely. Right. Yeah. And all yeah. the all the double checking that goes into making sure that that people are are, are well covered for any kind of eventuality. Um, I, you just got to trust people. What I don't like is that there has been sort of this blanket don't doubt vaccines ever for any reason whatsoever that has been out everywhere. Like if you watch CNN for 20 minutes, then yeah. they will bring up the vaccine four or five times. And every single time they do it, they'll do like the, you know, perfectly safe and absolutely ready for you to, to, to take, which is like, feels very much like, uh, uh, propaganda like the government has told yeah. us that the vaccine is good so we must now talk about how good the vaccine is like we're at war with east asia we've always been <laughs> at war with east asia. Uh, but but i think also you and i are not necessarily the average americans where like not my parents specifically because you know trumpers but um there are people in the middle who would be like well you know i've just been hearing a lot and I'll, everything I hear says that it's safe and maybe I'll take it then because CNN repeats it six times an hour. Yeah, it's safe and you can take it. And I hear that once and I'm like, great, you got me. When can I get one? And now I'm like here in quarter four of 2021. And I'm like, Ugh, well, OK, <laughs> but there are people who literally would have been like, no, absolutely not. Even though they're kind of politically centered, but they hear it enough and they're like, no, you know, I've been hearing things. I hear it's safe. It's literally Brooke Baldwin, Brooke Baldwin saying it six times in the hour that she's on CNN, but doesn't matter. I've heard it. I've heard it a bunch of times from places, so yeah. it's fine. Um, Many people have told me it's just been Brooke Baldwin for, six times. It's just Brooke Baldwin, <laughs> but it's it's for the dumb people. That's what I'm saying. It's for the dumb people who would otherwise say. And here, I, you know, I I don't joke. I'm t talking about a variant that may or may not be covered by it, but. 99% of people who uh, have died from it or have even been infected have the original strain of COVID. There is a small section of this variant out there. So if you told me the vaccine doesn't work against the variant, I'd still get the, the vaccine because yeah. most people have, you know, original Coke, not Coke Crystal or Crystal Pepsi. Most of them have Pepsi, not Crystal Pepsi. And it looks a little different. I'm not sure if it's going to be covered, but it doesn't matter. Because the likelihood I get splashed with Pepsi is way higher than Crystal Pepsi, especially in 2020. You see where I'm going but with that's, this? But that's Can assuming that's assuming that that uh, the UK specifically can actually get their shit together and and lock this down. I mean, the the problem was you're hearing about this this new variant is fast spreading. It's way more uh, aggressive than the strain that we've been dealing with, or the the couple strains that we've been dealing with so far, and 
it's gotten Europe to the point where they're just like, nope, <laughs> no, nobody from England is allowed into. Hey, everyone in the U.S. and Europe has seen Twenty Eight Days Later. We know how the fast-moving variants go yeah. when they come. Okay, <laughs> so we shut the channel down and we say no, this yeah. far, but no further. Let so, hopefully, hopefully, England can get on top of this because it is it is the number of people I saw getting on airplanes leaving England. Uh, before everything got shut down, made me very nervous. Like that. that was, the thing, though, if you were there and they were like, "You're about to get locked into England," um, yeah. wouldn't you go jump on a plane? I'm just saying. I mean, and, I, I, I probably would try, especially if I wasn't like from England. From like, England, yeah. I would give, if you were not there, if, if a, you're talking about me, like if I. Could, <laughs> Somebody emailed me said, "Hey, you want to come to England for a movie shoot? We'll pay you two hundred dollars a day." And I'm like, "Hey, that's more than I'm making now. <laughs> get on yeah. the plane." And then all of a sudden, I hear about this new variant. I'm like, "Yeah, fuck, get me home. Like, I don't want to be stuck in England for a year." Like, and then we meet the new patient zero, and uh, <laughs> eventually, when the time machine gets invented, they'll trace it back, and they'll be like, "There was this guy." And he's not mentioned a lot, but he went from England to L.A. And as he passed through JFK and then LAX, he became patient zero and spread it all across. Corey, the world. you had to do. You were doing so well, and then you just threw it all away. <laughs> you were going to be lost to history, and now look how famous you are, patient zero. <laughs> the ten thousand humans that are left will all know your name. <laughs> at least I'm not that woman who fell for Martin Screlly. We got that. At least I got that going for me. That poor girl. Did you see? Did you see that story? By the way, did that one? Uh, I did saw that one that. crack your your anti-social media bubble? No, I was gonna say I've missed. I see headlines sometimes uh, because, uh, despite me turning off notifications, by the way, on everything, I still get some notifications <laughs> that punch through. Like it'll say, "Corey sent this to Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram." Are you sure you don't want to see this? And I'm like, "No, I don't want to see it." But I see the uh, the, the headline headlines. Yeah, yeah. So just real fast, I just I, I think the story is fine and funny, and then we'll move on to the upcoming civil war. Um, <laughs> A newspaper reporter who was covering Martin Scarelli, Pharma Bro, the guy who uh, uh, bought a, a particular insulin and then raised the price like $900 per vial. Uh, she started covering him for her magazine and then fell in love with Martin Scarelli as he went to prison. And we, like started doing things like as soon as he got locked away, she was like emailing his friends going like, is anyone watching his cat? And like doing all those desperate I'm in love with somebody things. And then yep. uh, the story got out, and somebody else wrote a story about how this woman uh, quit her job, divorced her husband, and has been having a a like long distance relationship with Martin Screlly from prison. And then as soon as the story started getting out, Martin Screlly ghosts her. He's just like, I don't want to have any part of this. <laughs> I don't want to have any part of this crazy girl. And it's hysterical to me because. Martin Screlly is still in a position where he's just like, no, not me. <laughs> like, I'm, not See, dealing, so I'm not dealing with this. That makes me think of an image I remember from like 2003. And uh, I don't even remember his name. Christina uh, Aguilera's first husband, when they were both like, and when it was 21 year old, primo Christina Aguilera mm -hmm. are sitting at a uh, uh, fashion show. And you're there with Christina. You, he was a nobody. He was a backup dancer. And average looking guy but something got to her and they got married he's sitting there with her and you see him like check it out of the corner of his eye as a girl bends over on the other side of him yeah and the caption that i always see to that is 
no matter how great she is, there's somebody tired of fucking her. And that that Martin Scorelli story makes me think of that, where it's just like, it doesn't but matter. But like the how, opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, no matter how crazy and ridiculous a person is, you can, I mean, listen, I've gotten laid my whole life and I'm clearly crazy, average looking. Like Martin Scorelli and I are about $5 billion away from being the same person. Um, and I mean, I wouldn't also raise the price of a drug, but uh, you, know, we, they, you don't got that Wu-Tang album, though. I don't got the Wu-Tang album um, that I'm going to take, never listen to and not let anyone else listen to either. <laughs> just have it just because. Um, but so there's always somebody who you can find. And by the way, there is always, always that guy or that girl, depending on what the situation is, is probably the asshole that everyone else says they are. Yeah. <laughs> by the way. I am the asshole that everybody says I am. Well, speaking so yeah, speaking of the assholes, everyone says they are. Uh, the Trump administration <laughs> is uh, aiming <laughs> aiming to uh, irreparably uh, get rid of democracy. So yeah, yeah that's a, if, possibly look forward to. If I said you have to bet your life on this, tell me one thing you think has never been discussed in the White House, specifically the Oval Office, ever before 2016. Oh, well, I mean, certainly martial law to overturn the election results is probably way up there. Like, I think that would have been the safest bet yeah. possible, that no president sat in the Oval Office behind any desk, uh, let alone an infamous desk uh, that you share with many past presidents, and said, could we stop the transition of power if I declare martial law? And do you think the military would follow me? I would guarantee you that has never been said uh, except for maybe an Aaron Sorkin script until 2020 when it was said in the Oval Office. It's just, it's, it's one of those things that's so like we, we, we set it up as like the most shocking thing you could ever hear in the white house. Less shocking than that. I imagine is a visitor. Like coming, if I came to visit the white house, like Trump was just like, I need Corey to come visit me. And then like, I got there and I was just like, Hey, before we get started, where do I do? Uh, where do I do my coke and get my hookers sent in? Like, what room is available for that? Like, that would feel like a less inappropriate conversation than the. Yeah, I mean, Kennedy was had that office, so clearly coke and hookers. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, that's Kennedy. That he's room. the he's the president already. He's not just some guy coming off the street, you know? Like, well, you know, just be like, imagine... be like, if I came to your house, you didn't know me. I was just some. Good, yeah. I was a new hire, and you you decided you were gonna have a have a drinking night with me, right? Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. like the second I walked in the door, I'm just like, hey, by the way, I brought some some hookers are coming over later. Where where should I bring them? You just be like, well, maybe a little presumptuous, maybe maybe a little um, quick on the. You and I have lived very different <laughs> lives, Corey. I don't know. <laughs> That has legitimately happened to me in my life, as well as the stranger walking in and being like, Where's the so is there a certain room? place I do is there a certain place I do blow or is it just like anywhere is cool? And I'm like, Hello, I'm Rob. Nice to meet you. Welcome to my home. So I had to steal the ray from my roommate. So uh Trump, Giuliani, uh Sidney Powell, and uh Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn. Yeah. Are all gathered together in the in the Oval Office. No, this is not the start of a joke, folks. This is an actual meeting that happened. A convicted felon who was given a pardon. His lawyer. Right? The president and his lawyer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all getting around, sitting around the Oval Office, talking about a little bit of insurrection. Uh, you know. I, it, it, there's two sides I feel about this. Number one, I feel like the more we talk about it, the more serious Trump thinks it's an option. 
which makes me not want to talk about it. But yeah. at the same time, I think that there's an important bit that needs to get out to the people that this is not appropriate to even be discussed. <laughs> like, yeah. this is this is if you want to say the election is rigged and a lot of senators have been sort of going along the line of, well, I'm going to let let him exhaust all his legal options like. That's the that's the non-answer version of saying he lost, but he's allowed to do this, so I'm going to let him. Listen, uh, Corey, whereas, if the people vote for a monorail, then a monorail they'll still have. But I'm not going to say yes or no to the monorail myself. The people must vote on the monorail. <laughs> and the legal challenges that come from the people's decision. They they have to just let it go through the courts. And then if the courts decide monorail, then we'll have a monorail, all right? Monorail! <laughs> I... It's unbelievable because all I can think about is the people. I remember I had a conversation with uh, a Republican before Trump won, right? Yeah. It was Obama was still in office, and they said, just you watch. If Trump wins, then Obama's going to find some sort of way to say that there was a fraudulent election, and he'll call in the military, and he'll do this thing, and it, you'll Take our see. guns. You'll see he's going to he's going to create a shadow government and blah, blah, blah. And he'll never leave that office. And then Trump won. And none of that happened. In fact, I got a Netflix deal. It was a very peaceful transition. And (laughs) Obama did literally everything he could to make to to give as soft a landing for Trump as possible. uh, Up into including giving him the advice to stay away from Michael Flynn because he's trouble. And. Now, four short years later, we're just saying to ourselves, well, maybe if he declares martial law, the military won't observe it. (laughs) There's no. Yeah, there's no like we're at kind of terrifying point where if he does something, then we as an American people have to rise up and quash that somehow, uh, which is not necessarily what I plan to be doing during my pandemic was rising up against the government. Uh, If I told you four years ago that. uh, You'd come on this podcast and you would say, it's time for us to rise up and push this down. <laughs> you would have called me a liar. There are so many times in American history where you could have told me like that this is where we would end up. And I would be like, no way. No, <laughs> not like there's too many there's too many orderly rules and and decorum and 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 ways that they, these things have to have it, it just would never get to that point unless mm-hmm. there was something seriously wrong like there was like rampant voter fraud if there was that I could see some sort of version of this but probably not even Kennedy. martial law like we talked to, remember we talked about martial law at the beginning of the shutdown cuz mm-hmm. we said uh what Newsom was doing what Garcetti was doing with shutdown orders was effectively all they could get away with legally without declaring martial law. That yeah. was the that was the only next step of what they had available to them, uh, where the the military gets involved in enforcing this this situation, or, or the, for a governor, the uh, uh, the national guard, yeah, or the it, police for mayor. But yes, yeah, that, that sort of thing. Some some sort of police force, yeah, operating as as a uh, keeping things in order. And we said at the time. That it should never get to that point. They are welcome to do everything up until that point. But once you start talking about martial law, you have completely lost the 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 basis of what you're operating under, the, the yeah. legal basis under what you're operating. 
And uh, this is the same thing here with Trump. Like, this is one of the biggest grifts ever in the history of American life. Yeah. And the fact that there is so much chaos involved in getting him out is... And you knew this was going to happen. There's so much... He, the life on the other side does not look nearly as good as it did while he was in office or particularly before he got a dog. He had a much better life before he became president. And, you know, while he's got a lot more attention right now, which is what he wants, he's not this. His life is going to become worse the minute he's not president anymore. He's going to face legal problems. He's going to not be welcomed in polite society anymore. Like other things Obama didn't talk about giving himself and his entire family a pardon before he leaves to yeah. make sure that all bases are covered. But the uh, Marshall, I, I, I watched CNN this morning. There was a legitimate political discussion about how the military takes commands from the commander in chief and not Donald Trump, but the commander in chief. He just happens to be commander in chief now. So come uh, January the 20th at noon, that power passes, whether or not he wants it to pass or not. And uh, Joe Biden will become the president and then the army will start taking orders from him. So even if they did declare martial law, and even if the army was enforcing it, they would take an order from Joe Biden, no matter where he was. And I'm like, what are we fucking talking about, man? Like, <laughs> you're legitimately saying like, oh, well, I mean, they have to do it because civilian oversight of the military. And uh, if they didn't do it, that's almost a military coup against the government. It is a military coup. I mean, like, uh, but do you want that? that that's Turkey. The, Turkey overthrows their government all the time. We we've had so many attempted coup attempts these last this last month to to last us a lifetime. Like, yeah. we had we had two thirds of the the House GOP the the GOP Congress signing on to the Amicus briefs. We had seventeen states sign on to that stupid lawsuit. New states that haven't even exist don't even exist yet. Signed on to that. Signed on to that fucking thing. You say yet as if they're going to exist at some point. They're just fictional states that somebody made up. I mean, you know, uh, the problem here is that Trump is running out of time. That's the. I mean, that's the the one saving grace of this whole thing is that if he wants to start a military coup, then he's got very (laughs) limited time in which to do it. Uh, it, And nobody to talk to. Like Saddam's gone, Gaddafi's gone. (laughs) Like who does he look to for advice? Well, I mean, he's friends with uh, Kim Jong Un now, so I guess he could uh, get a little. But Kim Jong Un didn't get a military coup. His grandfather did. He's just like, uh, what do you mean? No, you're born. Yeah, but you could you could could find the stories about olden times, like before. (laughs) (laughs) Like he reads, please. Does he look like a man who reads? <laughs> if they don't talk about it in Inside the NBA, he don't know about it. But I mean, you you call this the greatest get grift, and I use that term. It, this is the greatest grift. It is literally a transfer of wealth from all of America to a single family. And you think if you anyone out there thinks that this is martial law thing is about him staying president, it it is, but it's not. It's not about being president it's about not being continuing it's continuing the grift and not going to jail that's literally all he cares about and you know we talked about uh we've talked about before the transfer of money that has happened then the indirect the violations of the constitution where he benefits because he's using the office to push his outside the office businesses i mean one of the one of the first lawsuits he'll see when he leaves office is an emoluments clause case from maryland i know i know they've been sitting on that one like 
and the, the uh, and in DC, the hotel, I'm yeah. sure that all the hotels are just waiting for him not to be president so they can sue for him using the presidency to push them down and keep put himself up. But this story this week about listen, there's grifting, and then there is taking money donated to uh, we even talked about a few weeks ago how you're you know, stop the steal money that you're giving. 25% of it goes to the GOP. The rest of it is just super PAC money, and he can use it to pay himself for the next four years. That's that's a grift. But the real grift is taking a billion dollars, splitting it in half, and saying, we're just going to keep this part of it. Let's figure out a scheme to make sure that this goes into our bank accounts. Yeah, so uh, real quick, there's, there's a lot uh, to unpack on this part. And I don't feel like we're properly at the point where we can we can say everything there is to say about this story. Uh, but it was uh, uh, being reported this weekend that uh, Kushner created a shell company that spent $617 million of campaign money uh, basically to pay people out, more or less. So mm-hmm. uh, think well, about pay people like caterers and... Uh, no, uh, pay, pay people like Trump family members. <laughs> so... Uh, uh, a quick recap here, just so you know what information we're working with right now. So uh, there was $1.2 billion, roughly, in uh, money raised by the Trump campaign. And those are Americans, Americans giving money to a man they wanted to elect president. Yeah, your and crazy he- uncle gave oh, Trump for America $20. That $20 got split in two. $10 yeah. went to the campaign. $10 went to the slush fund, basically. No, wait, uh, you- it went to the American Media Monarch Corporation, something yeah, like that. American-made media consultants. There you go. Hey, that's not a slush fund. That's a company, Corey. It's a shell company. The slush fund is the budget of the shell company. Right, clearly. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, people who are on the board of this thing, Lara Trump, Eric Trump's wife, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Pence's nephew, John Pence. So we finally get Ooh. Pence involved in this one. Yes, and, yes. Uh, the campaign CFO, Sean Dolman. Uh, we're all on the company's board, and it, it seems like a lot of people in the campaign didn't know about what was going on with this this secret company that was set up in, in the side. And more or less, the easiest way to describe it is we talked about the NRA a couple months back, I'm sure it was at this point. <laughs> it might have even been years, I don't know. Uh, but the NRA basically did the same thing, where they're a charitable organization. They They are supposed to not... As part of a charity, you don't want to pay your executives too much money because they're just like, hey, this money is supposed to go to charitable causes, not to the. In some states, you can't. Delaware is one of those states. It has to be a certain percentage of the money that's raised. Right. But I mean, like, even if it's not uh, illegal, it's it's not looked upon well. If you You can't keep your 501c3 status. Yeah. Um, And how the NRA would get across this was they would take money and they would uh, give it to their marketing company, Ackerman McQueen. And then Ackerman McQueen would pay all the people who they needed to pay as Mm -hmm. consultants to make, you know, so Ollie North, as the uh, head of the NRA, could only make, you know, $70,000 a year, just making up a number, right? $70,000 a year is what his annual salary $400,000 $400,000 a year, but that's not nearly enough. Right. But job. I'm saying as a charitable thing, perhaps you're making less money. You're not, you're just okay. a, you're just a, a board member. You're not necessary, but $70,000 a year. 
And then Ackerman McQueen is also paying him a million and a half dollars on top of that because it's money that's taken from the NRA fund, given to Ackerman McQueen, and then they give it to somebody else. So that's that's how that works. And, and also uh, the expenses. Like uh, he wants to go on vacation and he just calls it a, an expense and he expenses Ackerman McQueen who invoices the NRA. Well, if you go hunting market. at some point while you're there, it's part of a business. I mean, another part of the – so uh, uh, just going back to the – to the stimulus the bill. Trump that, grift. Oh, the Trump grift. The stimulus for just half a second. Because one thing <laughs> yeah. that was in there that I, I think we should talk about at another point is uh, business dinners are now being tax deductible up to 100% now. Yeah. So for a while they they raised that or lowered that number to 50%. So if I am at a restaurant and I'm wooing clients, I can write off 50% of my meal on taxes. Now I can write off 100% with the new stimulus. So just another... Yeah part of grift that is going on here well, I mean, but uh, a grift that's very the, beneficial to the restaurant industry so i'm sure they'll gonna, love it you were gonna eat anyway so you can't write that off <laughs> but the fact that they came to eat with you makes it you know partially yeah. tax deductible now every dinner i have is a business dinner let me get somebody on the phone real quick <laughs> it's the old three martini lunch <laughs> <laughs> Uh, careful with those rules. This is not tax advice. Do not write all of your lunches. There are rules you have to follow. We are not attorneys. Well, Rob's an attorney, but not your attorney. <laughs> I'm not your attorney, and we're definitely not accountants. And uh, by the way, somebody's getting paid a lot of money to turn that three martini lunch into a business meeting somehow with a receipt and some explanation. So. Listen, I, I was on the phone the whole time. I don't know how you don't count. <laughs> so, Seated accidentally across the table from him. So, yeah, basically where we are with this whole thing, and it's still new, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to get more coming up here, but just put it in your mind that the Trump Stop the Steal fund has been 75% going directly to Trump uh, well, or to his, to to his pack, which will go towards paying him and his family and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Uh, and the campaign basically off the top split their money in half and put half of it into actually running a campaign and the other half into the grift, however you, mm-hmm. however you may define it. Uh, and it seems like everyone has had their hands in the grift here somehow. Uh, and I wonder what might have happened if that money actually got spent, you know, on a campaign. Well, maybe you have to make one. I mean, you know, maybe it reaches if you spend if, you, if 25 percent goes to the grift instead of 50, maybe you w- actually win this thing. Yeah, but it's not the point. We didn't. It's a lot closer win, than Corey. it's a lot closer than I think anyone thought the election was going to be prior to it going in. So yeah. who knows? A little a little money here and there might have actually uh, kept you in office. The good news is that there are people who look at this. All right, we have a justice department and attorney general. They're on the case. They're going to be working hard through the end of this administration and making sure that justice is done. So about that, uh, <laughs> we do have an attorney general but mm-hmm. it's going to be an acting attorney general here coming up because oh, yeah. uh, bill barr the great in, uh, the great legal titan bill barr <laughs> has decided that he can't he can stand no more and he must he must leave this office the uh, ag who once declared not the mama very emphatically i like how he he has a has an oval office meeting a week ago 10 days ago whatever it was at this point where he's just like uh yeah this election is Pretty straight up and down, no no corruption, yeah. no anything. This is about as good as it gets. And then he gets called to the Oval Office, and then a week later it's like, so I'm resigning. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's better than getting fired. 
Well, I mean, uh, the good news is on the way out, he's kind of making declarations, though, right? He made the declaration, election's good, no fraud. Yeah. Today he made the declaration, like, I'm not calling special counsels. This Hunter Biden thing, not worth a special counsel. And uh, there was another investigation. The election, not worth special, yeah. The election itself, not worth a special counsel. So uh, the acting AG, who is going to come in eventually, will have the limitations of what the Supreme Court put on uh, acting Chad which is that you can exercise some of the powers of the office, but not the most, uh, the highest powers, the ones that uh, require long-term kind of like implementation. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, Joe Biden has basically been saying that, uh, you know, this is all just designed to get a rise out of him. And he doesn't think that there's anything there, there, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I'm always of the mind that if you look into anyone's taxes, hard enough you're going to find something they did wrong so mm-hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of like sham investigation that was put together that talks about oh these five counts of of tax evasion that we're going to put on hunter biden and then when you investigate it a little bit you find out like well he didn't move the decimal place over once and his <laughs> his he left line 45 dash j7 blank and clearly it indicates in this two paragraph long explanation that you must put a one in that spot if you're going to try and claim it his cpa forgot to to put a decimal point in a place and then wrote a <laughs> amended return but it didn't get to the government until 15 days and there's a 14 day limit and i'm sorry this is why we do this so criminals can't take over like (laughs) uh, by the way just uh, going back the 617 million dollars from a campaign put into the pockets of people but yeah go ahead it's just so like number one i don't give a fuck about hunter biden hunter biden has no interest in being the government joe biden would not even Think about it. Like after all the shit that that went on the last four years with all the Trump kids running around, there is not a world where Joe Biden would put Hunter anywhere close to anything important. Like Hunter's getting a job working at a Walmart greeting people. Like there's not he's staying as far away from this fucking thing as humanly possible. Uh, Bo Biden has a better chance of getting a job in this administration. Hunter Biden does. Right. That's what I'm saying. But it is. It is kind of unbelievable. You remember when, uh, like, every once in a while there would be a story that would just come out that would just needlessly slam some, like, awful sibling of the president or something like that? Like, I remember Roger <laughs> Clinton. Here. Yeah, Roger Clinton got it for a little bit, and Billy uh, Billy Carter got it uh, for a bit. Yeah. That's weird that those guys have something in common, Corey. I don't know if you make that <laughs> something, connection. Something in common with Joe Biden as well? Well, I was going to say something in common with each other. Uh, two Democratic presidents. Who do we not mention off the top? They all won uh, it. Ronald Reagan. They all won Georgia. Oh, that's true. Too. <laughs> uh, but uh, Ronald Reagan, mm, well, all his siblings were dead because um, he was uh, ancient. Although Joe Biden's actually older. Than that. <laughs> no. <laughs> he just doesn't seem like it. Uh, George H.W. Bush had sons that were doing cocaine and driving while intoxicated. Yep. And then later became president of the United States. Um, so... And I mean, Jeb, uh, Jeb is the most embarrassing of the Bush brothers, and he was governor while his brother was president. So it's like it's it seems to me that this all is a rule that only applies to Democrats like uh, uh, I don't know. I I guess I guess the W's, (coughs) the twins got a little bit of it uh, from the media when they were out drinking and stuff like that. But they they that was more of a uh, page six sort of thing than a front page of the Times kind of thing, you know? The kids are always different. 
because Chelsea got shit too about yeah. you know uh, be, when she was in college. Like, kids, I think are, are not fair game. They shouldn't be fair game, but they seem to be. It's the it's like Billy Billy Carter had nothing to do with his brother running for president, and then eventually he tried to turn the fact that they were making him part of the story into a profitable thing by getting a beer company to name a beer after him. Yeah. Um, but it, Roger Clinton wanted nothing to do with, with the presidential campaign at all. The media made him part of the campaign, and then Clinton tried to bring him in, and then he just screwed everything up that he touched. So, yeah. Uh, but Clinton wore sand-colored suits. Did anyone cause a uh, ruckus when that happened? No. But Obama, well, uh, it's not like he stole $617 million from the American people. He wore a sand-colored suit in the summertime. Yeah. I mean, well, really different times. Different, oh, yeah. Different times. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I man, just but- I just can't wait for the like it, here's the problem either either we get to the point where we the the bar like the the rush of news has gotten to the point where little things don't even matter anymore or we're going to sensationalize little things to such an extreme that we're never going to be like a Hunter Biden two counts of tax evasion with really the most fucking rinky dink of loophole uh, legal arguments will either be special breaking news coverage or it will be this happened but we're not going to talk about it because it's fucking lame. <laughs> like it's not nobody gives a shit about tax news like well Corey, i have a fear because uh i know that wolf blitzer is working on his new news network <laughs> breaking news <laughs> and it's just him every story is breaking news it's just all it's him for 24 hours a day every seven minutes saying breaking news uh, my favorite my favorite part of watching uh, the situation room is that when the theme song hits the breaking news drop is already built into the <laughs> like it's the, there's no version of the situation room where it's just normal everyday news <laughs> It's all breaking like news. it's never it's never going to be like no breaking news drop. It's just like the situation room and you cut to Wolf Blitzer and he's just like, it's 73 in Topeka today. <laughs> and by the way, uh, Wolf Blitzer could be on TV 24 hours a day because he's a robot. Uh, that is a piece of QAnon you, that I'm starting right here. Did you, did you see him fighting with Pelosi? No. Oh, my God. Oh, I can't good. imagine how boring that must have been as a fight. Just oh, two boring people. <laughs> the worst part is is Pelosi's, like, getting all indignant. And, and, like, Wolf's only saying, like, you know, like, there's hungry people starving. And she's just like, yeah, I work for those people. <laughs> <laughs> See, you put more emotion in the question than Wolf did. There's hungry people starving. Yeah, I work for those people. <laughs> Miss Pelosi, I don't think there's any reason for you to raise your voice. We're just having a discussion here. Your mother, yes, is a whore, but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, what the fuck, man? Came like, unleashed there. <laughs> you could say anything, just calm demeanor. Because he's a robot. <laughs> just, I would love nothing more. Just Wolf like and Nancy Pelosi just talking and she's jawing back at him. He's just like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> just like dry. <laughs> I've had enough. <laughs> Some deep slang comes out like he's like, you know what, you know what, Nancy, I'm really having a problem with the way you're coming at me right now. And it's like, holy fuck, did somebody just break off? What <laughs> My favorite, I think, I think it was from uh, SNL the other week where it was like, uh, "Hi, I'm Wolf Blitzer. I have an outdoor name, but an indoor body." <laughs> well, listen, folks, uh, if you at home were excited about Civil War Part Two, boy, do I have something exciting more for you. It's Cold War 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> we have to, I don't even know what that to, movie is. We have to save the ski lodge that is America. 
that's right. <laughs> oh, 80s. Oh, you're fantastic. Uh, but uh, seriously, though, you know, Russia just it's hacked so, half our government. It's so funny. Of all the bad movies, like every so often we have a really horribly bad movie. And it never seems to break through the way Breaking to Electric Boogaloo does. And I think it's the name. That's the only thing that, like, it's such a such a unique. It like it, you, it once you hear it, you never stop saying it. Like, it hey, listen, the thing you drop every so often. There are brilliant filmmakers out there, but naming the sequel to your movie Alien Aliens boring. <laughs> you go with Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. That's gonna live forever. People I, I people will remember that. That's. <laughs> If I had said, hey, are you ready for Cold Wars? People yeah. would be like, uh, what, there's like more than one of them? Like, yeah, because we had We're the first fighting one. multiples at the same time. I don't understand. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, China, North Korea, Russia. Yeah, I mean, we actually kind of <laughs> are doing that, I guess. But uh, Russia, uh, speaking of Russia, uh, decided to hack or didn't decide to, has been had an ongoing hack for the last uh, few weeks that was Months. just discovered. Months. Yeah. You know, years, uh, way back a few years ago, August of 2020, uh, they started this uh, hacking campaign. And essentially, they hacked a dozen government agencies and even more outside companies that are government uh, contractors. Yeah, here's a small list. The U.S. nuclear weapons stockpile, the Treasury, the Pentagon, the Center for Disease Control, the State Department, Justice Department, Department Mm -hmm. of Homeland Security. And multiple utility and tech companies, especially ones that are outside of the government, but more in the government contractor side. That seems fine. I don't see anything there that's worrisome whatsoever. <laughs> Except for literally all of it. <laughs> like, you know what? Trump's on that. Trump's listening to the list be read, and he's like, "Election commission, election." Commission. <laughs> God damn it! The only one I need you to hack, Vlad, and you can't hook me up. You can't. You can't hack into fifty states. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You can get the nuclear stockpile, but you can't hack into Georgia. So uh, the scariest thing about this, and there's a lot of scary things about this. Uh, one, that people we were hacked because people just opened an email and said, hey, you need to update your system. And they did. They just yeah. clicked the button because everybody's a boomer who works in government, apparently. Everybody's my dad. <laughs> like, I clicked the link and something happened. <laughs> <laughs> what link did it happen? Can, can you remember anything about the link? Uh, I don't know. It just had a couple of swastikas in it. <laughs> it was blue. Well, why'd you click the link? It, <laughs> it was blue, but after I clicked it, it turned pink. Is that important at all? Like, no, Dad, that's not important. Uh, <laughs> the subject but, line of the email was check this out. <laughs> was I not supposed <laughs> to check this out? No, see, that my dad would have deleted that because uh, <laughs> people, my family sends entire sentences as subjects. It's the first sentence of the email that they're sending is the subject. Hey, d- like, it's a subject like, hey, Denzel's so excited to see you at the upcoming family reunion. <laughs> Don't forget, it's uh, the first line of the email. Don't forget, it's going to be July 11th and we're going to meet. Yeah, it, that's uh, how my family sends emails. Um, but it, more disturbing than that. Uh, <laughs> at least is... you don't get my dad's treatment is no subject. Just every email is no subject. <laughs> if you want to yeah, know what it's about, read the email. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to let you delete this right in your inbox. I don't have time to just summarize it for you up at the top. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the more disturbing part isn't just that uh, how easily they hacked it. Uh, it was that it's a long-term plan. It was implemented very easily. Uh, and 
I'm just thinking about your dad. I just heard your dad's voice. <laughs> I'm not summarizing that for you. <laughs> the most disturbing part is that uh, we discovered the hack. We fixed it. I guess didn't deny access to them. And now we are still trying to figure out what they were doing, uh, where they got, and uh, what was the purpose. And that's the kind of thing that just makes you go like, okay. I guess I'll, I guess I'll sit here patiently and wait to find out how bad it was. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, what are the odds that my social security number ended up on the dark net? Let me hear those again. Mm, mm. Okay, so hundred percent, hundred percent, my social security number is on the dark net. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I All mean, right. I knew that as soon as I heard Justice Department. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of places on that list that have a file on me uh, yeah. for my Freedom of Information Act requests. Uh, Homeland Security. Uh, FBI is injustice, right? FBI, yeah. uh, <laughs> Homeland Security. There's a lot of them. So uh, there was a there was a movie that just recently came out from Alex Gibney, a two part thing, Agents of Chaos. Did you see that one? Uh, I haven't watched it. I believe that it's in my Just Watch queue. Justwatch.com, a place that you can build a queue from all of your streaming services. This is not an ad. <laughs> I'm just excited about. Just this. get an affiliate link, and we'll make it. An ad. <laughs> <laughs> It's free, so I don't know that we can get an affiliate link. Just, just watch.com like, forward slash the anthem. Boom. <laughs> People start plugging that in. Like, We're getting a lot of 401s here. I don't know what this address is that people are getting out. Just, we get an email from them just going like, a lot of people are going to your link, but there's a... You don't have a link. You don't have a and link? Don't have affiliate network. Uh, oh. No, but there was a, a two-part documentary from Alex Gibney, Agents of Chaos. Uh, I recommend everyone go see it if they want to. It's on HBO. Um, the oh, you mean HBO Max? Well, I mean, if you're if you still got access to old HBO, I'm sure you can still see it. <laughs> like, it's not a Max exclusive or nothing. Uh, uh, okay, all right, okay. But uh, the first part, they talk about the Russian hacking campaign in the election and, like, what that involved. And what you'll the see... The 2016, 2016 election. election. What you'll see yes. is that for the first part of this whole... Uh, the whole hacking network that they had... They built, it was really kind of ragtag and they didn't know what they were doing and it was just, like, trying to sh throw shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, right? On the news, they called it the D Squad. Yeah, they were just they, they were the just D Squad working. doing whatever, doing whatever they felt like, just making memes, causing causing chaos, doing whatever they feel. Uh, Don't you want that job? That, just <laughs> all day making me making Twitter accounts to repost things, just to call uh, Nancy Pelosi a bitch and just <laughs> oh well, this egg this egg called me a bitch. I should, I should really take that. Uh, the uh, the. Uh, so basically, they they didn't do well right out the gate with the whole hacking and the whole influencing campaigns or anything like that. But then they reassessed. They took all the things that didn't work from the first iteration of it, and they mm -hmm. reapplied it to a second iteration. And that's the one that really worked well. They they worked out all the kinks in the early in the early beta, and by the time they were ready for their 2.0 launch, they had it. They had it all right there. And the yeah. reason why they had it all right there is because in Russia, it benefits you to work for the government or yep. to be in line with the government somehow. You don't necessarily need to be an oligarch to some oil industry or something like that. You can just be a government contractor, essentially, working for you know, a troll farm <laughs> in Moscow. <laughs> and your life is significantly better than it would be if you were just trying to work at some tech company in, in Russia anywhere else.
So yeah, if that is not the way it is in America. If you are any good at coding or you know anything regarding internet or tech or networking or security or any of that, you will make so much more money in the private sector than you will ever sniff as a government employee. Yeah. And to want to be there really means that you have to want to serve your country in some sort of way. Like, this well, is the thing I can Corey, do to then- serve my country, but there, there's no way you're j- like a normal everyday person is taking a $70,000 government job as opposed to a $700,000 job at Google. You know, like, this is not how it works. Listen, Ed Snowden was a brilliant computer scientist, and he took that job and clearly uh he wasn't a public servant he didn't want to make the people better he was a spy clearly from the beginning before any evidence ever showed that but he's in russia now so now we know he's a spy do we oh no he's absolutely not (laughs) he is the patriot he's the guy who took the small paycheck could have made way more i was gonna say did i did i miss something because i saw snowden pardoned on on twitter not too long ago and i was just like is this still good <laughs> sometimes they're, well, they're, sometimes they're pushing out sometimes you got to be careful about who you publicly defend because you miss something you know it's, there was uh, there's a couple of weeks there in the middle where i was just like yeah why wouldn't i want to work for harvey weinstein he makes great <laughs> movies <laughs> wait a minute something's in the news <laughs> why didn't anyone tell me so the uh again i'm not on social media but i know i did see a story about uh the push for the pardon snowden thing is basically like reaching out to trump and saying he did nothing to harm you he actually harmed the democrat before you so wouldn't it be a get good like ah, in your face for you to pardon him while you're giving out all these hundred pardons my favorite part of of pardoning snowden is the fact that everyone who i hate hates the idea of it happening so yes that's yes. basically a win for me um <laughs> And the fact that they're grifting the grifter, they're just basically like, you know what? You look amazing. Your hair's fantastic. Your dick is huge. And by the way, Joe Snowden, pardon? Or like, what do you think? <laughs> uh, how do you? So, yes, so uh, Russia Russia has massively hacked us. They found a backdoor. Solar winds, is that it? I keep I keep messing that up. I don't want to mess that up. And I want to say it's correct. Uh, I was certain about it, but now that you've said, I'm not sure if that's correct. The last four times, I am not 100 percent certain that that was it. I do think Solar Winds is the name of the company, though. I do believe it is. It's one of the first things that pop up. Yep, there you go. Solar Winds. So uh, they're a company that is sort of hired a lot by the government, and this is part of the the way that they got access was the backdoor through that. And uh, yeah, uh, that's not good for them. They're gonna, <laughs> they're going to have some trouble recovering from that. Um, yeah, and uh, I went on a diatribe with Corey in the pre-show meeting about how uh, Russians are just basically always ahead of us. They actually won the Cold War as much as you've been taught. They they lost the Cold War. They 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 won it except for Chernobyl happened and it ruined uh, their relationship with all their uh, satellite states. But skipping forward from all that, uh, I wanted to make a, a comparison because I know that people see this and they're worried that Russia has the upper hand and they are most certainly going to defeat us in this no, new Cold War. And while they did carry out a multi-year multi-billion dollar effort to hack our election not hack our election hack our uh, our people's minds so that they would go vote a certain way and now this is leading to more direct hacks of the government while this was going on there was also a billion dollar four month investigation into the uh, partisan leadership leader in russia and that all worked out they nearly killed him with poison 
And we all know, we know about this entire scheme because that guy, the one who almost died, basically rerouted himself through an office phone, called one of the agents that he knew was following him, and then got him to admit on the record, or not on the record, but on recording the entire scheme. So yes, they're brilliant. They can hack, but also on an individual basis, maybe not the smartest guys and maybe not so much to fear. Well, and and also here's the other thing that you got to think of. The, the Russian economy is basically entirely propped up on oil, which yes. is going to run out very soon. There's there's only so much oil under Russia and yeah. there it will not last forever. And their economy outside of oil is crumbling. So there's nothing that really holds them together other than this one natural resource, which we all basically in the, in the world agree is not going to last forever. Yep. So, well, luckily, the Russia, Russia is taking is... their opportunities right now while they're still a uh, quote unquote superpower to be able be to to take a take a couple swings at people who are ahead of them. Uh, and uh, really, Joe Biden, besides just the hacking and besides the election interference and everything else that has gone in from Russia uh there there needs to be a punishment back to the stone age for them basically there there needs to be a a end of world war 1 germany type punishment on the way for well, russia keep in mind, because... we, we we started doing that and then all of that was rolled back by yeah. the trump administration organized by michael flynn right before the uh, between the election and the inauguration so uh, and, and what did michael say, flynn luckily... have involved in this <laughs> was any uh, clearly, Russia was not paying Michael Flynn to do things. That, that just seems comical. I mean, like, they, they may have paid for his vacation. They didn't give him cash, no. But <laughs> things were paid for. You don't ask questions about how it gets paid for. You mention to someone you'd like to take a trip. All of a sudden, flights appear at your desk, and there's a hotel room waiting for you for seven weeks in the Dominican Republic. All of a, all of a sudden, your email has a no subject with a link to click, and <laughs> next thing you know, you're on your way to St. Petersburg. But uh, good news is uh, Russian economy backed by oil, which is a finite resource and is running out. So we know their power is waning, juxtaposed to the American economy, which is built on the reputation of America, which is waning, <laughs> is waning, probably waned, plur, or, uh, past tense. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we have oil, too, though. Uh, and <laughs> some and, of it. And. and a lot of nuclear weapons, and we know how to use them. We've shown you before. Don't mess with us. <laughs> we've done it twice. Don't make us do it a third time. <laughs> uh, well, to be fair, we've used them twice. But also, um, you know, like MacArthur wanted to bomb North Korea and China. Just carpet bomb them with nu nuclear weapons. And trust me, there's somebody in our military that has that plan still. So don't fuck with us. They're just, they're just, they're just waiting for Trump to have a bad day. There is somebody there. You know what makes like <laughs> some guy with the football going like, you know, make it feel real good. <laughs> Listen, I you got the make... codes. Sometimes I just pop it open, I hit the big button, and it just makes me feel good inside. I just rub the button. I just rub the button a little bit. Just, just did a, like a titty, just like a titty. Just get. <laughs> you, know, you got the codes. You got the codes. You can open this. You got the codes. I got the finger. Let's do this. <laughs> you, you know gotta, what makes you feel like you got the biggest dick in the world? You Can got a key. Sit? I got a key. We'll turn them at the same time. Yeah, but it'll be, that it'll be a thing we do together. And uh, clearly, if Michael Flynn and uh, what's her name, the lawyer, 
the Georgia Sydney lawyer, Bell. what's her name? Yes. Uh, if they are being invited to the White House for a meeting, then clearly there are no adults in the room in the White House. So it's not too much to say that maybe someone is suggesting we carpet bomb Beijing with yeah. uh, nuclear weapons. It's probably, there's probably somebody. So uh, did you just get the, uh, hey, check your messages? Yeah. It's dinner time, bitch. Get off the, <laughs> get off the podcast. Let's go. Well, uh, you know what else the, the time it is? What time is that? Time for you to go to OTheAnthem.com. Oh, Cordo OTheAnthem.com. Oh, OTheAnthem oh, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the Whistler line. 443-219-7595. Brooks is excited. 443-219-7595. There you go. Uh, you can find more of me at my website, CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm, and at Legends be 5 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, working on some things. So uh, stay tuned because uh, the new year is coming, and I feel like it's a fresh start for all of us. Okay, hang on. I gotta. <laughs> you weren't prepared for such a short. No, no, I I hadn't gone to my solo the entire uh, show, and uh, one of my lights was in the shot, and I refused <laughs> to be. It's been in the, it's been in the shot the whole time. It's been sitting like right over my left shoulder there. Right here. Yeah. Oh fuck! I did not even notice. That's all uh, right. Yeah. What it's are you gonna right. do? Oh, well, okay. Anyway, so you can find more of me at Robert and Chico on our social networks, but I'm not updating. I still have another blessed, what, seven, nine, 11 days of no posting. And I may just drop social media forever, or at least not be as frequent as I usually am because I found it to be very freeing. Uh, but you can find me if you want to interact with me on Call of Duty, Black Ops. My Activision is Robert and Cheek. Send me a message. Let's connect. We can play together. That's fine. You can also find more information at robertandcheek.com uh, about my books, the, the screenplays, everything that I'm working on outside of that. Uh, so make sure you check that out. Uh, and I ended all of my other projects. So I literally have nothing going on except for playing Call of Duty and doing this podcast once a week uh, and also working occasionally. But again, I work from home. So the line's very blurry. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we've done good here today. We've done something. I don't know if it's good. But as always, you're listening to the O the Anthem podcast, part of the O the Anthem digital network. For nope, for Corey. This is Rob. Have a great week, everybody. If we weren't on a list before. <laughs> oh God knows. Buddy, we've been on we've been on those lists for a long time. We I don't know who you were trying to impress. We ain't getting that Hunter Biden for meaningless counts either. <laughs> now I'm getting the big count. I want the big one. I want the the treason. Yeah. The McRib.